0: of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my country, I'm proud to home. This is my country, and I'll never stand alone. It's time for Populism with a Purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Corday. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century.
1: Country,
0: the now, your host for Reimagine America. Joyce Cordy.
2: And welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. And before we start. Let's just take a moment to remember the 30 lives lost in the last 24 hours due to semi-automatic rifles in the hands of deranged people. You'll find a, second, a, a podcast devoted entirely to this topic online later on today. But we know, as we've seen in the last 24 hours, that there are plenty of people out there trying to stir up your passions My purpose is different. I've come to give you some information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events and to encourage you to act on that judgment. As a businesswoman, I focus a lot on the numbers. And in the numbers this week, there were 20 Democratic would-be presidential nominees gathered in Detroit on Tuesday and Wednesday evening. So how does the public feel about the Democratic field? Let's look at the numbers. The Warren-Sander duel on Tuesday the 30th drew only 57% of the audience that had tuned in to see the first night of the MSNBC uh, uh, broadcast of a debate last month in in Miami. The Biden-Harris-Booker-Castro duel on July 31st, drew only 62% as many people who had watched on the second night the previous month. Over the two nights, and this is probably the most important number long-term, over the two nights, online viewership, that's your 18 to 30-year-olds, fell by a whopping 70%. People have tuned out. More than half of the people who thought they'd be interested have now tuned out. And yet the Democratic Party bosses plan to shrink the next debate to tighten the race. They're, how are they going to determine who's going to get on the stage? They're going to use polls.
3: Yada, yada, yada.
2: Let me tell you, People lie to pollsters. I bet you I bet a lot of you listening are nodding your heads yes, because I know I do. All I want is to get them off the phone. And online, and by the way, self-nominating, things like Survey Monkey are always distorted because only those with a great passion for or against will take the time to fill out the survey. Online contributions, that's the other factor. You have to have 150,000 of those. You know how big the United States electorate is? It's a couple hundred million. So I don't know that I think that's a convincing number that if 150,000 people gave you a dollar or more, usually between a dollar and $20. But you know what's missing from this culling of the herd as one commentator uh, described it? There is zero input really from the electorate you don't know when you give a dollar whether that person's even a registered voter. You know, this is still a country where the people who go to the polls make the decisions and yet we're already um, culling the herd more than a year before the election, half a year before we will see the first input from voters in um, the Iowa caucuses. Is this fair? Is this in the best interests of the American people? Most importantly, and as you can see from those numbers, the answer to the question that I'm going to ask is most importantly, do voters believe one of these 20 really is the right person, the best person, to unify and lead the American people toward the middle of the 21st century? Will we still be, in 2040, the preeminent leader of a rules-based international order? Is one of these people going to take us there or set us back on the course to be there? Well, to help us to answer this question is Jim Rex, who followed a long career at the University of South Carolina with a term as South Carolina's Superintendent of Education, working closely with then-Governor Mark Sanford. Jim was a candidate for governor of South Carolina in 2010, and losing uh, that uh, election to Nikki Haley. Since then, he has worked tirelessly to create a viable alternative third way to restore sensible centrist government. Remember that 42 percent of us are independent of a party affiliation, but we are the largest party in the United States. So first in South Carolina and now across the nation, Jim serves as the national vice chair for the Alliance Party, a new approach to building a political movement in the political center of the United States. So Jim, isn't the question less, which of these 20, but why don't better quality, more broadly and deeply qualified people run for political office? What do you think?
1: Okay. Uh, well, first, thanks. Thanks again for letting me be on your program. It's always a great pleasure to talk to you, even on a dark day like today.
2: It's always <laughs> so my pleasure.
1: What happened in El Paso and and in Ohio is... Um, you know, our worst fears are unfortunately coming, coming to be, and uh, we'll talk about that, I know, at some point. But it all does relate back to the question you just asked. And that is, um, are we getting the best and brightest, um, the best motivated people to run for public office? Uh, and if not, why not? And an even darker question is, even if we do, does it matter, given where our government and structure is right now. Um, you know, I don't know, the, part of the question you asked dealt with the 20 candidates who are trying to win the Democratic primary for president and whether one of them is potentially the person who can lead this nation back to a more sane and constructive and productive path than than we seem to be on now. And you know, the, the depressing thing about answering that is, it may not matter because no matter which of those 20 ends up being chosen, the tribal members of that party will support that person, whether they're the best person or not, whether they're qualified or not. Um, So many Americans now are voting against someone as opposed to for someone. And, you know, I've heard, and I know, most of your listeners have probably heard the phrase, dump Trump, uh, what we're trying to do with the Alliance Party that you reference is dump the system that not only gave us Trump, that is giving us increasingly the wrong kinds of people who are running for the wrong kinds of reasons, who are incapable, or at least unwilling, to do what this nation needs. Um, so th- there are so many reasons why good people don't run for office. Um, you know, the sort of uh, obvious ones, it costs a lot of money. They see negative campaigning. Uh, they don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to drag their families into it. Um, they don't want to become a member of one of these tribes. You know, they don't, they don't want to be uh, in, a, in a, uh, a system that requires them to be whipped by a party whip uh, into responses that they may not believe in take positions that they don't believe in, but they have to if they want to stay in office and become a quote unquote career politician. Um, They uh, feel distaste over the idea of always running against ideas, against positions, against people simply because they're in the other party. Uh, Some of them, people we would like to see, would like to actually help find solutions, pursue a vision. Uh, be a patriotic problem solver, not an ide- ideologue. Uh, so those people automatically check out. They not only don't tune in to listen to politics as you were just sharing those statistics about the debates. Um, many cases they don't even vote and they don't even consider running for office, actually getting in the arena and trying to change a system that is increasingly dysfunctional. So there are lots of reasons. Um, I guess the one that concerns me the most of all of those reasons is this growing lack of belief that the system works any longer
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh you that that it doesn't matter and i and I see that and feel that and hear that Joyce, particularly among young people
2: i was they, gonna, they, oh, I was gonna say the 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 group that Tom Steyer led in twenty eighteen to register. 8 million new uh 18 to 20 year old voter 18 to t- to 21 year old voters um actually turned out to be 18 to 30 um but their number one um issue was the system doesn't work and their number two issue was all politicians lie and their number three issue was They don't care about my issues, and we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then Jim and I are going to talk about all three of those points, plus the one I think is the most important. What kind of leader does this nation need at this moment?
0: listening to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org, reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy.
2: And we're back with Jim Rex of the Alliance Party. And when we went to break, Jim was telling us that, you know, the system is, and he and I, I think, both agree the system is broken, um, you know, Jonah Goldberg observed on Friday that, uh, the ranks of moderate and conservative Democrats were hollowed out under Obama, leaving, uh, moving the Democrats into the deep blue liberal areas, um, and that Trump has had a similar impact on the right, which is why if you look at it statistically, you see that independent center that I don't want to belong to a tribe, um, uh moderate middle growing, which is why I think the Alliance Party is, and the the things they believe in are an interesting concept that we need to follow. But Jim, you were saying that young people don't believe the system works. That's right. Yes, you know,
1: this has been a rough couple of days for me. I'll just share with you and your listeners briefly. Um, Yesterday, I um, was asked to speak at a a service, a, a memorial service, for a young man who had been an intern and a staffer on my uh, campaign when I ran for governor a decade ago. And he went on and uh, was accepted into the University of Virginia School of Law and became a, an outstanding attorney. Just an amazing person. Uh, he took his life a year and uh, a week and a half ago. It seems like a year and a half ago. He took his life, his own life, and he was in a law firm in Houston. The reason this is relevant, I think, is that yesterday I was the lead-off person. His family had asked me to speak, and I was one of eight speakers. Um, Six of the eight were millennials, and they were amazing young people. Um, One was Hispanic, one was African-American, one was Jewish. This was a a Christian service, Um, but they were all... They all, they all described themselves as brothers or sisters of this young man that we were remembering. Not one of them would ever consider running for office. All of us spoke about this person and what he believed in and why he was so disappointed in his country and in his fellow Americans and those disappointments piled up and probably had a lot to do with his decision. Uh, there was not a dry eye in the place, including all eight speakers, including me, it's a very difficult thing to do. But I thought about the Alliance party and I thought about the discussions that you and I have had in the past Joyce, as well as the one I knew we were having today and why don't people like the ones I heard yesterday, even consider running for office. And, and the reason I think is that they don't believe the system works any longer. They believe in movements. They believe in causes. I heard that yesterday, loud and clear. Um, they're concerned about the intolerance of our con- of our country, how divided we are, the way we hate and distrust and fear one another. Not knowing that while the surface was taking place, that people were being shot down again. Um, but we've we've got to deal with that. Our our system has been hacked, and I believe it's been hacked by our two dominant political parties, our duopoly. And it's such a great system. It was such a great set of ideas. You know, the balance of powers, the representative democracy, the executive branch, the legislative branch, the Supreme Court, all the reasons that those were put into place, but they've all been hacked by the two parties and the corruptive power of the money that rules those two parties. And So you ask a question before break, what kind of leader do we need? We need a democratic reformer. We need someone who can reform this democracy to put it back on the right track, to make it functional. And in that process, to make us more unified, to create a sense of community again in America, and to insist that we take our responsibilities seriously as individual citizens and do what needs to be done to make america what it can be should be and must be not just for us but for the planet
2: think not what your country can do for you think what you can do for your country how far exactly. we have fallen in half a, in 60 years from that from from those important words because you're right what we need is a democratic reformer what we need in addition to that is we need somebody who has a, a passionate vision for where America should be as a nation, not as black, white, purple, green, but as a nation in let's say 2030, 2040. Because all of these pieces and plans, you know, free college, free this, free that, it's not about what your government can give you. I could bore the heck out of everybody you know, starting with Jim by explaining this new theory of monetary policy called MMT. Just let me, let me uh, summarize it by saying if that were a valid economic policy for the United States of America at the largest economy in the world, then we'd still be using confederate currency. And I bet Jim, you got a box of that hidden away somewhere, right? Um, but but we need somebody who has a who can who can make us, as John Kennedy did, look forward, look at who we are as a people. Why do people want to come to America so much? You know, where's the greatness anymore? Where's the willingness to take risks? You know, men to match my mountains, manifest destiny. Jim, what happened to all of that?
1: I think it's still here. I still think we have Americans who um, who can measure up to that. Many of them, of course, are not unfortunately running for office, and many of them are not assuming other leadership roles. Because, as you know, there are many ways to be a to be a leader in this great country, mm-hmm. and you know, not just elected elected office. But, you know, when I said a minute ago, Joyce, that I felt like the the system, the balance of power, the representative democracy that was envisioned by the founders has been hacked. Just think for a minute, you know, the executive, the legislative, and the Supreme Court, uh, the the judicial. Um, the cruel irony is they were fearful, of course, of monarchs. Mm-hmm. The experience they had had. Well, the executive office... Is becoming more and more like a monarch. It, it, you have to have blind obedience to that monarch from your tribe, from your political power, you know, party or whichever is in power. So the executive office is starting to look more like a monarchy. The legislative branch is basically impotent. It is bogged down in gridlock. It, it's purposeful gridlock because you oppose what the other side is doing and they oppose what you're doing if you're in power, and so it basically is impotent. And now the judicial branch, the Supreme Court, is becoming politicized, which it was, of course, designed specifically never to be, so that it could be that objective interpreter of the Constitution and protect the rights of the individual and also the minority against the tyranny of the majority. So all of those great ideas are now becoming dysfunctional, and it's not anything wrong with the ideas. It's these two political power parties, these two private organizations that have become the greatest fundraising um, entities on the planet uh, that are so corrupted and want to hang on to power at any cost, even the cost of the great idea we call America.
2: I, I think you're absolutely right. I like to call those two political parties. I, I like to call them what they are, corporations. You know, when when Elizabeth Warren talks about I want to break up the corporations, I'm with her because I got two corporations I want to break up, the Democrats and the Republicans, because you're absolutely right. The United States Congress today is the best paid debating society ever conceived on earth. But it doesn't, in the words of the late John McCain, get anything done. And that's purposeful.
3: I get That's that. Very
2: purposeful. Yes. And and you know, we, and I have someone whispering uh, in my ear that we need to go and pay the bills and when we come back we're going to play a quick clip from John Meacham about political parties and then Jim and I are going to talk about that clip.
0: To Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit ReimagineAmerica.org. ReimagineAmerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy.
2: And we're back with Jim Rex of the Alliance Party. And before Jim and I resume our conversation, um, we're going to play a quick clip that was John Meacham, the historian. Uh, and sometimes a uh, public performer with Tim McGraw. Um, and, and John Meacham encapsulated the issue of the, the, the state of the two current political parties. And in that encapsulation, I think he, he distills why this is such a pivotal moment and why something like the Alliance Party could be the beginning of the Renaissance <laughs> of American, uh, of the American political ideal as described in the Constitution. So hang on and listen to John for a minute, and then we'll be back.
3: Well, parties fundamentally change in American history when there are moments when there's not consensus about the greatest issue before the country. Uh, the, we most recently saw that because the Democratic Party fell apart over, the Republican Party changed uh, coalitions because of a disagreement over civil rights. Uh, we saw the rise of the Republican Party and the death of the Whigs in the 19th century because there couldn't be, the, the parties didn't, the single party didn't agree on slavery. Donald Trump is quickly becoming that kind of defining question for for this party. and. We've, we've joked before, but as Freud taught us, all jokes have a certain element of truth. Donald Trump's one of the few recorded cases of a hijacker boarding a plane in the passenger side with the hijacker. And the question is, will the Republican base become so devout unto itself, uh, so bound up that that centrist uh, part of the puzzle? is simply gone. And I think these retirements suggest that that is certainly the reality of 2020 politically. And culturally, politically, is one of the most fascinating questions facing us is what happens to the Republican Party after Trump?
2: And if you want a personal opinion, I don't think you can wash the stench off. And that means that we need to move forward in this country in a different way in the 21st century. Jim, do you agree or disagree? 100%. Um,
1: The Alliance Party, as you mentioned, is an attempt to do that, to have a third viable alternative, a different approach to politics. Uh, When we describe ourselves, we, we say we are a new political party within a movement that seeks to remove corruption from American politics and government while expanding the definition of and the access to the American dream. And um, that's what we need. These two parties have some good people in them. I used to be, I think, one of them, until I realized that we had such a dysfunctional political system and that both parties were equally responsible for it, and that our, our American ideals, our American potential even, if you have any sense of intergenerational responsibility, I have nine grandkids. You know, I I just worry almost daily about what kind of country, what kind of planet they are going to live their lives out in. And um, you know, we have we've, we've got to come up with a better approach. I think there are all kinds of people who realize that. I think Meacham is right. I think we're at a pivotal point, and um, I'm somewhat optimistic. Because of that, but it's so dangerously um, fragile in terms of which way we're going to go as a nation. Are we going to continue to get worse, or are we going to finally turn the corner and look at our best angels, pull together, and do that—that that unity, that community, and that responsibility that we need so desperately?
2: And how do you think we begin? Isn't it isn't it a question? Of leadership, isn't it a question of restoring confidence, especially in those 18 to 30 year olds? I have fewer grandchildren than you, but I worry just as much about their futures. Um, I worry about whether the fabric of the republic uh, can be put back together. Um, whether we can, you know, where is the idealism? And 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 as you as you and I've talked previous conversations and also offline, um, we see a growing number of people who are disaffected. Um, That doesn't mean they don't care. Um, And most of that, you know, a big part of that movement from um, to the independent side has come from those moderate Republicans who are just repelled by what this rump party has become. So in 2020 is it a moment you know we and and we we're not the only two people talking about this I mean I I saw some people on that stage and with the exception of Yang who really did lay some numbers down that people need to think about you know Tim Ryan who's been and who thought about challenging Nancy Pelosi for the speakership uh, people like him and Steve Bullock—they're um, more <coughs> centrist than Democratic. They have zero chance in this um, in this situation of meeting enough people in the middle to make a difference. So, how do we create an opportunity for those people? Because they're not, you know, just as Republicans have seen an an exodus of the centrists, so will the Democrats after this election cycle. So let's talk for just a minute about, you know, we've talked about Howard Schultz, for example, uh, stepping in as a third-party candidate. Is it that we need, and Tom Steyer now, you know, do we need self-funded billionaires to run for office, or do we need... Self-funding billionaires to help to build a movement in the middle. To to does Tom Steyer need to become part of something um, that helps um, those eighteen to thirty-year-olds believe the system works again?
0: Doesn't Tom Steyer need to get the eighteen to thirty-year-olds to uh, donate to him first? Does he? He's way under the donation threshold, doesn't he?
2: He's. He's way under the donation threshold, but he's got a ton of money, and so does, does, does Howard Schultz. And, and they both, in their, in their awkward and, and overly moneyed ways, you know, do ha- share the same concerns that, that Jim and I are discussing. So I guess my question is, um, would their better contribution to the country be to help to create, and they know how to do this, a new corporation.
1: Well, my answer, of course, would be: I mean, God help us! If the only people who can qualify to run for president of our great nation are billionaires, if that's the only route uh, that we have in the future, I think there are other things I, that people who have been fortunate enough to accrue that kind of financial, um, you know, level uh, can do to help our democracy and. And I I would begin with putting in some specific reforms. um, And this is where a new party, a new approach approach has to be part of the answer that um, changes the perception of what a politician is, an elected official. is. you mentioned earlier, Joyce, how young people feel about politicians. They believe they all lie. You know, the, the things you ran through, which, you know, not just young people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, we ought to have high expectations, and and we ought to highly value those who have chosen to serve a great nation at a time when our opportunities and challenges are unprecedented. And you know, we we should believe that public service through elected office is among the highest of callings, not the lowest. And a public servant pursuing the improved welfare of the American people and the planet that they share with others should be a revered position among us, not a denigrated one. And, and until that changes, we're not, we're not going to be rescued by electing a specific individual to a specific office, whether it's a presidency or governorship, a senator, or what have you. The Messiah approach is not going to work. We're going to have to have systemic change. And
2: and I think there are some
1: very concrete ways to do that, beginning with, and this is a, hang,
2: a hang, part of... Hang on to that thought, Jim. Oh, They're whispering okay. in my right. ear. We're, we'll okay. be back in just a moment with how to create a new structure for American politics.
0: You're listening to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org, reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy.
2: And we're back with Jim Rex, who's going to tell us how we could structure a a new political movement in America. And my question at the end of that list is going to be, how fast can we do this?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, having been in elected office, I realize what I think more and more Americans realize, that you can have all kinds of demonstrations, you can have all kinds of petitions, you can have all kinds of uh, movements, marches, you name it. Uh, It doesn't make any difference. The only thing that career politicians in either party care about is whether they can get reelected. So until you challenge them at the ballot box, until you challenge them at the ballot box, with a different type of politician, a different type of candidate, it doesn't matter. And when you start electing those different types of candidates, then they will listen, then they will change. But until that happens, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your effort, because they know that over 90% of incumbents get reelected nationwide in every election cycle. So once you get in, you basically have tenure because you have the money, you have the gerrymandered districts, you have the corporate money, you have all of those advantages, name, name recognition. It's almost impossible to dislodge you. So you must challenge them at the ballot box, and the only way to do that is to have a new political party with a new type of candidate. The way you get a new type of candidate, here's how, I think. You start out by requiring, monitoring, and enforcing term limits for all of the candidates in this new choice. That's what the Alliance Party does. All of our candidates for elected federal and state legislative offices are term-limited. A maximum combined number of years of 12. That's it. We exempt governors. We exempt presidency, We exempt local, like, you know, school boards, um, county councils, mayors. Those people are close to their constituents. Our corruption, the thing that's killing us as as a country, is what's happening in our Congress at the federal level and our state legislatures. That's where the term limits are absolutely needed. It gives you a different type of candidate. When a person says I want to run as an alliance party candidate, they have agreed they are not going to become a career politician. We do not allow it. They cannot continue beyond the 12 years. We will oppose them publicly and vigorously if they change their mind and we'll run somewhat against them, which means they're not going to get reelected. Another thing to do is you require transparency. You require it from your candidates while they're running for office, and you require it from your elected officials while serving in office. Full disclosure, for example, of all contributions. Um, Also, tax returns from the three previous years. I saw California's trying to do that. Great. Um, But this party requires that. You don't have to wait for legislation to have term limits. You can start it right now by simply saying, vote for this person. This person is going to be term limited. Don't vote for the ones that are not. Uh, annual disclosure of any income while serving in office, not just the source but the amount, so you can see where the conflicts of interest are. Right now, we don't have that kind of transparency. And then there are the sort of soft requirements that can be monitored and enforced, things like civility, honesty, tolerance, uh, humility in your interaction with others. Um, and what we're looking for, as I think I mentioned briefly a moment ago when we were talking, is we're not looking for ideologues, We're looking we patriotic, pragmatic problem solvers. And people who put country over party, who put progress over ideology, and who put an emphasis on representing their constituents' concerns and needs. That's what we can do to change this system. And until we do that, we're just going to continue to spin in this downward spiral that unfortunately we seem to be in right now.
2: Well, here's... Here's the bottom line to that, having been a candidate who didn't win, like you. Um, You need a structure.
1: I did win once once in a statewide
2: election, don't discount that. All right. Well, I won a student body office, but when I ran for Congress, I got bumped. Um, um, But then I ran in a really, really Democratic district. So I guess I should say the fact that I got more votes than the guy who finally who the democrat who finally turned out that democrat is is um uh was probably a good thing um anyway uh but you know and I know that what we need is structure so how are we going to because I think time's running out I I think you're right about the monarchal tendencies of the executive branch um and, and, and we see what's happening uh, around the country. And my God, um, if you only could spend a few weeks with the California legislature, you'd understand why not just term limits but part-time legislatures are a good thing. Um, we need a structure. And that's what the Alliance Party needs to be. It needs to be a vehicle that believes in something that can attract people who are patriots, who, who wanna serve um, but want, don't want to be um, a career politician. Um, uh, Will hurt kind of people. Um, but you need a structure. And so how are we gonna create quickly so then in 2020, if there is not a third party candidate, the country gets a message that says, here's what we really need in leadership. Here are the unifying principles of American democracy. So even as you're comparing candidates, think about these unifying principles. Where are we going to find the organization in the money to get that um electoral message in front of the american people because i don't think we have till 2022 or 2024 um, to begin to try to unseat some of these ideologues
1: well i agree we all have to feel a sense of urgency i learned a long time ago that you can do the right thing but you can do it so slowly that you end up getting the same result as doing the wrong
2: thing. Yeah, see, I'm a semiconductor kid who used to work for Andy Grove when I was very young and just out of grad school. And so I think if you can't do it in three weeks, maybe we shouldn't do it, you know? So what can we do? You know, what can we, the majority party in the United States, independents, what can we do that helps to create this unifying message, whether or not we run a candidate?
1: Well, as you just mentioned, uh, we do have to have structure. The problem with running as an independent is that you have no structure, you have no party, you have no system to help you compete, so you then end up not being a viable candidate. So the Alliance Party is, in part, trying to create a platform for independent candidates to actually have a structure and win. Not not any independent candidate. You can't be a communist on one end or a member of the Ku Klux Klan and say say you're a um, you know, an independent, you have to be a centrist. You have to be in that broad center where most of our independents and most of us are. But uh, we're already now, and this has been nine months, I point out, Joyce, we're now in 29 states. We're organized, we're filed with the FDC, the Secretary of State in 29 states. And that's been in, like I said, eight to nine months. So go to uh, the Alliance Party, put the in front of it, the, T-H-E, allianceparty.com, and take a look at why we're growing so fast. Um, And then either run for office, if you're qualified and you're the kind of person you and I have been talking about, you know, run for office if you can get our nomination in one of those states or another state if you can help us get organized. And let's start challenging these incumbents especially, but but the other two parties in general um, in 2020. Yes, the presidency is important. But It's not the only election that matters, And many of the things we're concerned about, that we worry about are really at the state level. These state legislatures you know, I was a constitutional officer for four years, and the last person to get elected as a Democrat in the state of South Carolina. And that was over uh, a decade ago. So I know what it is to run against overwhelming odds and i didn't you know i didn't have an alliance party to support me if there had been one i would have run as an alliance party candidate back then i had to choose between the lesser of two evils which is one of the reasons as we said a while ago that a lot of good people are not running they don't want to they don't want to run into those two those two tribal choices of the lesser of two evils so take a look at the alliance party help us uh, yes we need to raise money yes we need to recruit candidates the kind of people that you and i are talking about but we also need voters. We need people who will say, I'm not going to go for the R or the D, lesser of two choices. I'm going to go for the independents, or I'm sorry, in this case, the alliance party candidate, and send a message that we need to change. And if we don't start that change in 2020, I agree with you. Uh, the future looks pretty dismal.
2: Hold that thought. We'll be right back with the urgency that Jim and I feel for change.
0: to Reimagine America. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy.
2: And we're back with Jim Rex and and just let me say to all of you doubters, all of you people who are nodding yes, I want, you know, I want a patriot, I want a visionary. I want I want people who who go to Washington to serve and you're, and you're saying, but it's not going to happen because, I want to remind you, and, and Meacham touched on this, there was no GOP, there was no Republican Party in January of 1856. And in 1860, they elected a president, and they did it without radio, without television, and without social media. So Jim... How are we going to make a difference, we independents, going to make a difference in 2020, in two minutes or less?
1: (laughs) Well, independents are going to have to exercise their power, which is the power of voting uh, at the ballot box, and quit falling for the premise that you only have two choices. Hell, if it comes down to it, write somebody in, but do not... Throw your vote, your valuable, personal, sacred vote, into a big bucket of red or a big bucket of blue that absolutely does not matter. But your vote still matters. So cast it. Either cast it for an independent, cast it for an alliance candidate, or write in somebody. But send a message that you know the system is broken and you're not going to continue to support it through tribal warfare.
2: And and that goes for all you eighteen to thirty year olds. You cannot stay home and say the system doesn't work. You need to become involved in that system if you want it to work for you. And on that note, you know I always know what interests me, but I'm really curious about what interests you. So if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, Joyce at reimagineamerica.org. Or follow me on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or Reimagine America Radio, which is also on Twitter. And you will find this podcast, a podcast version of this radio show at ricochet.com or on the reimagineamerica.org website. And you'll see a series of blogs pretty quick on Reimagine about vision and leadership and how important it is how plans don't matter if you don't have, if you don't have goals. And until next Sunday, thanks to Jim Rex and all of you for listening.
0: Subscribe to the Reimagine America podcast at reimagineamerica.org and ricochet.com. Email Joyce at Joyce at Reimagine America Radio. Follow her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy, all one word. And you can follow the show at Reimagine Radio. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Take a minute now and go to www.reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. And join us again next week for Reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.